This is Dylan FM, the podcast that goes deep into the work and world of Bob Dylan. If you love Dylan, you're in the right place with your host, Craig Danuloff. What do Frank Zappa, Elvis Costello, Laurie Anderson, Martin Mull, and Thelonious Monk have in common? The following quote has been attributed to each of them. Writing about music is like dancing to architecture. If you want to know who really said it, check the show notes. But this confusion about the quote may have distracted from a bigger problem, which is that it's just plain wrong. When writing about music is done well, it's fantastic and effective. We've had at least five authors talk about their books on Dylan FM so far each sharing elements of their books with us, all because they fit the context of our focus, mostly last year's season one look at time out of mind. But I don't want to limit us anymore to just talking to authors whose works align with our seasonal focus. So in this episode, we're going to start a new occasional series in which we'll talk to authors about Cool Dylan books just because they're Cool Dylan books. Today, we're going to talk about a brand new book called Bob Dylan in Minnesota. It's the third in a series. The first was Bob Dylan in London, and then came Bob Dylan in the Big Apple. And our guest today is the co-author of each of these books and the guiding hand behind the series. Keith Miles is a longtime Dylan fan. He attended the Isle of Wight Festival in 1969 as a very small child, I'm sure. And today, he's the co-curator of the Dylan Room in London's Troubadour Club. His co-authors on this Minnesota book include a bunch of great Dylan writers and fans, such as Paul Metza, Ed Newman, Mark Perkansky, and Matt Steichen. Plus, there are contributions from Linda Whiteside and Kevin Odegaard. A lot of Dylan books, like a lot of Dylan songs, are serious, lengthy, and a bit intense. They demand attention, concentration, and some focus to really get the most out of them. But as we all know, there are Dylan songs that are just simple, good fun the kind you can take in and enjoy without breaking a sweat. And that's more the style of the Dylan Inn series. They're not the slimmest Dylan books. The new one is 42 chapters. But they're light and easy reading, and the chapters are sometimes just a few pages long. You can get through them in one or two sittings easily if you want to. But it's their focus that makes them unique. Each of the locations they've chosen so far have been a big part of Dylan's life over the past 60 or even 80 years. And by focusing on the events and people that took place in these locations, it turns out to be a really nice way to tell the story. These would be great books for any young or new Dylan fans, but as someone who has plowed through many of the fatter volumes, I still learned a few things and really enjoyed reading each of them. Keith joins me today and we talk about this new Minnesota book, which you can get via Amazon or at other bookstores now. I'll include links to all of them in the show notes as well as Keith's other volume on Bob Dylan and Dylan Thomas. Check the show notes. We talk a little bit about the series in this interview and discuss some of the chapters and events that you'll read about in Bob Dylan in Minnesota. In the longer premium version of this podcast, we talk more about Dylan himself, more about the other books, and a little more about the contents of this one. To get the extended version of this podcast and all of our other shows, as well as bonus episodes, and cool exclusives from our FM Podcast Network partners like Pod Dylan, sign up for FM Plus or FM Premium. 
you can subscribe right in the Apple Podcast app. Or if you don't use that, visit us at fmpods.com. It's just $4.99 a month, and you'll unlock over 100 premium episodes, and more importantly, support our work and that of our podcasting partners. That will help us to keep bringing you these great deep Dylan dives. But for now, here's our chat with Keith Miles about Bob Dylan in Minnesota. All right, Keith Miles, welcome. Thanks for joining us to talk about your new book, Bob Dylan in Minnesota. Thank yes, thank you. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, th- third in a series, so you're you're rapidly rising up the list of uh, prolific Bob Bob Dylan authors. You, you did you did a, a really nice book of Bob Dylan in London, which, which I really enjoyed, and then uh, a few years ago now, I think, and we can talk about these a little bit. You did New York, and uh, this is the the third stop. We're in we're in Minnesota. Um, I guess you know a little backdrop on your Dylan fandom and how you came to become uh, a Dylan author, taking us on this world tour. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's actually, it's actually more than that and quicker than that. In fact, because I, I got to the age of 61 without writing any books whatsoever. And uh, two years later, I've written four books and had them published. So it's been, been an incredibly rapid two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've been knocking them out as they say. And uh, it was one of those strange things, you know, I, we went into the, the sort of pandemic over here and uh, I had put together a lot of stuff with, with a friend of mine, um, Jackie Lee's on Bob Dylan in London. And uh, through the, the joys of Twitter, of all things, we got approached by publishers who said, this looks really interesting stuff. Would you like to do it in a proper book? And uh, it was it was fabulous it was great and Jackie and I did the Bob Dylan in in London book and it really was there were certain things we wanted to do you know number one we were Londoners and Bob Dylan fans so we wanted to put put the record straight on the trips and the pubs he'd been to and 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 interview the right people and do the research properly which hadn't been done you know the hundreds and hundreds of Bob Dylan books you know, had a lot of the pubs wrong and in the 62 visit and things like that, that we just felt passionately we wanted to put right. And also for people to visit the, the places, you know, I, it's, a, it's a joy that as a, uh, a main centre of popular music, London has fantastic places for tourists, Dylan and otherwise, and they're kind of ignored. And, you know, we, we had taken over and started to run the Dylan Room at the Troubadour Club in London. And if if we could stop tourists going to Oxford Street and go to places like that instead, then, then we're doing a good job. So it was always intended to be a guidebook, you know, which is why it's a, a paperback. It's you can put it in your pocket. It, it is one you can read and enjoy the stories, but also you can use as a guide um, as well. And the other thing we wanted to do was, um, you know, I, I sitting in a room uh, next to a, a library of literally hundreds of Bob Dylan books. You know, I, I can't stop collecting the darn things. And not a lot of them are a great deal of fun. 
<laughs> and, you know, I think Bob Dylan is a great deal of fun. And I think that, you know, the people around him and the, the, the characters and the people are, 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 are rich, is a rich tapestry of, of, of musicians and fun people. And, you know, someone like Bob Dylan, you know, does live life to the full. And I, you know, I think that Dylan books had become a little bit bogged down and uh, were getting a bit too worthy and a bit too uh, serious about everything. And I think, you know, we wanted to inject some great tale, you know, tell people some great stories about Bob Dylan and his, you know, and his world, you know, and that's what we did. Um, and, you know, wonderfully, the book was well received and uh, from having never considered doing this, you know, we suddenly had a, an Amazon number one bestseller uh, in, in the category and it was right. Okay. And Jackie didn't want to write any more books. You know, that was, that was a process enough for her. <laughs> um, but the publishers said, would you write three more? And which is exactly what I've done completing you know, we then say in the middle of the pandemic, they said, well, look, we'd like you to do one about New York because that's the, the sensible next stop, really, and an important one to have a guide. And uh, being in the pandemic, I couldn't go to New York. So um, I had to have good researchers out there, which was, was fabulous. And, and people like Anne-Margaret Daniel and, and, and others who are, they're the people that know. You know, I know London, I'm a Londoner, but, you know, I don't know New York and these people do, um, you know, and really the Big Apple book that came out is, is kind of kind of down to those people, really, who, who really do know their stuff. But, you know, but there were certain things I wanted to do with the, um, the second book, with the Big Apple book, one of which was uh, um, uh, interview A.J. Weberman. And uh, that was interesting. You know, I thought, well, how, how do you find this this guy you know and, and and someone just gave me his, his number and said just ring him up and you can chat to him um and he had to go in the book you know he's the pantomime villain in lots of ways you know and he's as crazy as a bag of spanners but you know he's i did really enjoy the honesty of the guy and you know i, I think he's like that ultimate fan that goes just that one step or two too far with everything, you know, and, you know, he was honest about that. And he, you know, I said to him, you know, do, you know, what kind of regrets do you have? And, you know, he did say, you know, I shouldn't have knocked on the family's door and done all these things. And, you know, but it would, it, it, it was great. And they, these were wonderful, wonderful, um, let's say interesting stories to put in there. Um, and the, the new book, is the third of the guide trilogy. Um, so the Minnesota book is the third that's actually usable as a guide with maps. Um, but the third book that I did was a, a slightly different uh, approach, which was uh, a, a book that I wanted to put together, which was the two Dylans, Bob Dylan and Dylan Thomas. It, it's not a guide as such, so it doesn't fit in with the Troubadour Tales trilogy in the same sort of way. But a little personal side project. I, th you know, I find them both uh, a, a, the same kind of rare ilk, which is, you know, again, you look at the, the phrase troubadour. I mean, but they are very much 
you know, not my phrase. They're, they're doing form literature. You know, it's a different thing. What Bob Dylan does, he doesn't sing poetry. <laughs> He's doing something else. You know, I say, you know, I think it's encapsulated in that term, not my term, but form literature, I think, is what he and Dylan Thomas were doing. And so we bring, we, we come round to, to the Minnesota book and, and the last of the four books. Let's look at a little bit. The book has a lot. What is it? 40, 40 chapters? 42 chapters. <laughs> you cover a lot of ground. Um, you start with, with, with the early days about the houses, about the family journey, the bar mitzvah story. That was was interesting. The tracking down of the original traveling rabbi. Yeah, I mean that um, must have been a, that must have been a heck of a strange thing, you know, with with the the, the almost mythical rabbi that that came out of the the the, the snowy mists and, uh, and and then and then disappeared as 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 swiftly as he'd arrived. It was, uh, yeah, I it, I you know I think even the the what what. Bob Dylan said about this, he, he sees it as an odd, strange, strange time. But uh, he tried to, as everyone did, sort of change his persona as soon as he got to Greenwich Village. But he, he, had, a, he had a good, full childhood and his, his life growing up was, was, was pretty, pretty interesting and, and in relative terms, pretty normal and, and sound. But there you go, <laughs> the, the Rabbi that came and went uh, must have been a strange thing to a young lad at that time. Yeah, I, I don't think that's that unusual in many parts of the United States because there there wasn't rabbis for people. For, you know, some of the in some places where the Jews weren't dense. I've heard of other places where uh, they bring one in or or something. But to be Bob Dylan's rabbi, as you say, from from Brooklyn and and how he got there and how he was a mystery for so long. It's a great it's a great story, and and it's. It's really a good example of you giving the flavor of one out of many interesting things that happened there and then moving on to something else. Yeah, and also I think it's one of those things where I I personally enjoyed the, the sort of fairly concentrated research on the background to the two the two brothers the um you know the, the rabbi and his brother and where they came from and all that sort of side. You know, one of the things I found in in the books um uh that we put together in the Troubadour Tales is, is some of these things that just, you know, for example, in the London book, the first one, you know, when, when Bob Dylan meets Robert Graves he, in Chronicles, he talks about going around a London square and, you know, in, in typical fashion, it, it's not the right name. Um, you know, and the research was, was just essentially going to where the party was at, at Earl's Court and, and looking and, and no one had been to find where this square was or what it was called. Just actually go bothering to go there was was the research, you know, and that's I, I like to think that in each of the Troubadour Tales book, you know, at least every other page there's a crikey I didn't know that story that crops up, you know, even for Bob Dylan fans, you know, and and I am essentially still a very much just a fan, you know, and will remain so. But it, it's it's interesting, I, you know, I, we like to think that. In all of the troubadour tales, there's a, there's enough there's enough for the for the novice and and the, the the vaguely interested in the music, but also enough in there for 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 a, a decent decent level fan, you know. Yeah, no, no. As a hardcore, I I, I enjoyed them a lot. The the Orpheum Theater story, for example, 
you know, I knew he owned it. You know, the time frames might have been vague to me. I didn't know that, you know, David worked there and and the kids spent time there. And it's that kind of insider flavor of reality, little tidbits yeah. that, that I think are very yeah. nice. And and the motorcycle accident that I had heard of that, I think, but didn't know as much about it and forgot. So the second motorcycle accident uh, in Minnesota or, you know, the train incident, that was oh, also... Well, it was one of those. It was one of the things. It's Matt, really. I mean, you know, he he knows his stuff, and you know, he had. We were talking about things that should go in the book, essentially, and it was a throwaway line. Well, you know, and maybe something about the day Bob was nearly hit by a train. Well, well <laughs> what's that? That's got to go in. Well, whatever that is, that's got to go in. And it, it, you know, it was, yeah, fabulous learning from people who've who've known these stories for many years, you know, and, and the, the four guys, like I say, you know, I mean, to me, absolute Minnesota legends in, in their different fields, but also, um, you know, know so much of this information that we've distilled down um, to get the tales across. Um, but interesting you say about David, he, he kind of crops up in this story every so often, like with the blood on the tracks, band and things like that and you just think he's 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 a, a little little unsung hero in the bob dylan story but certainly is part of the, the, the minnesota link you know clearly he does crop up uh, you know throughout the years on all of this and and yeah i you know he's 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 managed um either deliberately or accidentally to to steer bob in, into some great things like a little little bit more um kudos to david but what he's what he's done for the for the the family really yeah i also enjoyed the uh the bit about the time he spent on the farm uh you know in the mid 70s when the, the the blood on the tracks writing time where again there's a little more color in there than you know i've heard about you know his mom coming by and the kids spending time and and all of that and a, a lot of the men- re-mentioning of the friends the friends that he maintained over the years you know talk about the difficulty of being bob dylan you know one of the ways he seems to have dealt with it is to keep a pretty nice cadre of friends that were from the before times that he even in the midst of 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 his crazy life and travels and 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 being who he was you know he maintained that set of friendships and and they all appear in the book as well yeah, I mean, it, it's it. it I, I think you're absolutely right, and it is interesting that the people seem to be. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, in this case, it, it's family as well. But but people do seem to be very loyal to Bob Dylan. You know, the guy is. I mean, he's no saint, you know, and I'm sure he's a really difficult person to. You know, I mean, interviewing Scarlett Rivera for the for the New York book. Um, you know. One of the things that came through is is that you know her, bless her, wonderful, wonderful human being and, and great artist, but you know essentially her career just went stratospheric really over a short period of time with um, with Desire and and the Rolling Thunder review, and then it, and then it gone again, and it, it's kind of you know and and other people like I you know I, I, you know I so wanted to put in a, a chapter in the in in that book about you know the the letterman um show and the plugs you know again these were all bunches of people who spent time having worked with bob dylan and hit the heights of their career 
that then spent time waiting by the telephone for a call that never came. Um, but I still, but still love the guy and still, you know, feel a great affection and loyalty towards him. You know, and it, it this is something he cultivated from, from sort of Dinky Town, Greenwich Village onwards. Everyone wants to kind of look after him and, you know, and, 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 and retain a, a sort of loyalty and a fondness towards him, however awful he is at times or, or you know, or however, you know, in conventional terms, he lets people down or whatever. They, they're still there. I suppose the, the, yeah. the biggest example is, is Joan Baez. I mean, you know, you would support him to the ends of the earth. Um, you know, despite him being pretty bad towards her at various stages, you know, career and personal and otherwise. But like you say, he 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 manages to to you know to have this great charm that that promotes great loyalty from people, and that's you know. Plus, he's Bob Dylan. Come on, he's he's like, you know, there's no there's no artist like him. Of course, you're going to be loyal to him. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. Well, also, the other thing I wanted to mention um, is the photos in the book. While there aren't uh, many, they're very well chosen, and I thought they're the interesting kind of things that most people haven't seen. The 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 Dinky Town photo of the maybe the scholar that I thought was great. The the Duluth house. When, when, every time they came up, I was like, oh, that's a photo that you know I haven't seen a hundred times. I think th- yeah, those no, are well chosen. It was it was good. It, the process of of getting the book out. I had the the, the four Minnesota guys, and and they've they've got access to just so much stuff, you know. Clearly, and it's a lot of it is 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 pretty new or, or relatively un um, unseen before, um, and that that was great. I mean. Narrowing it down was the difficult bit. Ed Newman's voracious. He would he would send you twenty different pictures a day, which is brilliant. But you know you've got to you've got to narrow narrow things down a little bit because otherwise the book doesn't get in your back pocket to go around as a guide. <laughs> the idea of these books as a guide is really great. I wish you know when I went to drove through Duluth and and um, actually I didn't go to Duluth when I drove through Hibbing. You know, I was kind of looking around. I knew of Zimmies and I knew of, but to have all this w- would really make a, a great trip. Yeah, well, it was it was important when we started the, the sort of series. I, I just kind of think that um, we don't really, and I, I say this from London where, you know, we have one of the richest pop music histories and we don't make the best of it. And there is there is no wonderfully great, music tourism uh and you know you can you can go to places you could you know for example you know if you go up to the manchester free trade hall which is now a, a hotel there's no great big judas back what's going on here <laughs> you know uh, um but you know it's 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 kind of everywhere do you know the the bizarre thing is the only place that really has uh you know embraced that and probably, probably taken it way too far is is Liverpool. You know, a few years ago you could go to Liverpool and you wouldn't know where to start with any Beatles stuff or where to look. Mm. You know, now, you know, there's there's a Beatles museum on every corner, but it's you know, mm. but at least it's there. At least they 
they realise that. And, you know, I, I think, you know, it's the same with New York as well. You know, it's where to start to look at. Yeah, I like it this way. I think it's more fun if the, the people who have your book or have something in their hand and know can find it. And, you know, in New York, oh, yeah, yeah well, you can go to, you know, the different apartments or you can go to the Chelsea Hotel or you can go to, you know, the recording studios are around town and, and lots of things. And it's, it's, it's kind of funner to arrive there and know you're at the right place and that no one else around you kind of knows. You know what I mean? It, oh, yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, the, the, best, the best way to do this would be for every, every town and city with music history to have a Troubadour Tales book. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you – I didn't realize it was two years, but I'm glad you set out and, and did this enterprise because they really are, as we said, fun, unique, and interesting for new and old fans alike uh, set of books. So uh, I, I, I think I, I, I know I, I sped read, read the London one when I first got it, and I sped read uh, Minnesota Today to get ready for this. And, and so that they can be done fast, but they're full of good stuff. So congratulations, and thanks for time to do them. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you. Did you enjoy this show? then please rate this podcast and leave a review. It really helps. Also, sign up for seven days, our free weekly newsletter that puts all the top Bob Dylan news and links into your inbox every Sunday. Use the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening.